This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Jim Goodis. The local tax burden in Cook County is shifting from residential to commercial property owners, and we'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, let's take a look at those retail sales and home builder sentiment numbers as we're joined by Chris Lowe, the chief economist at FHN Financial in New York. So, Chris, your take on the numbers. Yeah, Jim, uh, I, I think that's about right. And, it, you know, we, we had weaker than expected retail sales, but it's not exactly unpredictable. Uh, sales have been sliding since April. Uh, that's partly because April is when the bulk of uh, the last stimulus was paid out. But it's also because consumers are shifting their spending patterns, their are out at restaurants more, they're spending on travel again, and they're spending less on goods. Uh, So when pulling the retail sales report apart, uh, the services that are included among retail sales, like restaurant spending, are at uh, pandemic highs, while uh, spending on goods is where the weakness is. So the economy, in a sense, is kind of uh, shifting out. The demand is still there. It's just where that demand is right now. Well, that's right. We're normalizing. And part of that, too, is because it's hard to get your hands on goods. Uh, Manufacturers are struggling to keep up with demand. And we saw that in the industrial production report this morning. Industrial production was up nine-tenths. Manufacturing production up 1.4%. We're finally seeing car uh, auto production pick up a bit. That's really important. It's one of the weakest sectors in retail sales, not just this month, but in the last four months. And that's primarily because manufacturers have been forced to uh, shut down some production because they can't get a hold of semiconductors. So with that shortage beginning to ease, maybe we'll see those sales pick up in the next couple of months. I certainly would expect it. Chris, what should we read from the home builder numbers? Uh, well, it's it's similar to what we've seen in manufacturing. It, it, earlier this year, it was very difficult to get a hold of lumber. Lumber prices went through the roof. So did copper. So did some uh, finished materials that go into homes. The good news there is that it is getting easier to get a hold of those things, but it takes time uh, for a house to be built, and it could be months before there's adequate supply and we see sales pick up. Just like with autos, the sales pace has slowed by double digits in the last six months, but it's not because of lack of demand. Um, People are still looking. They're still very interested in buying. And we know from mortgage applications 
that uh, if, if they can find houses, they're ready to move quickly. That's Chris Lowe, the chief economist at FHN Financial in New York. Thanks, Chris. Coming up, owners of commercial property in Cook County are putting a bigger piece of the property tax bill. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The latest analysis of 2020 tax bills finds that commercial property owners are shouldering more of the load in Cook County. And we welcome Danny Ecker, a reporter from Crane Chicago Business. So, Danny, just what is the situation involving property taxes and how much commercial owners are having to pay as opposed to how much residents are having to pay? Yeah, basically the situation is that of the increasing property taxes in Cook County, just commercial uh, property owners are shouldering more of the burden. So the, the most recent data of the bills that are being sent out here in the next couple of weeks from the Cook County Treasurer show that um, uh, the, that commercial landlords countywide collectively owe about 6.2% more, whereas homeowners countywide owe about 1.3% more than last year. And this is actually the second straight year that 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 has sort of shifted that way. And it's all mostly a product of uh, the fact that uh, Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage has overhauled the way that he values commercial properties compared to his predecessor, uh, Joe Berrios. And whether it was by design or not, that has shifted a lot of the tax burden to uh, commercial property owners and um, and and off of of homeowners in many ways. So it's it's been a, a lot of debate around this, and that's um, that's this is the second straight year that uh, that that has has happened. Now we've been hearing about a disparity in terms of residential property tax bills in Cook County, depending on what part of the county you're in. Is the same true for commercial property? Uh, well, it's certainly there's plenty of disparities. I mean, you know, while the assessments are are one factor in how you calculate property taxes, it's also a big factor about what the local levy is. You know, the local government municipalities and how much money they need to pay for operations. So, there were some areas uh, in the suburbs where both residential and commercial um, uh, property tax hikes were significantly higher than other areas in the city, especially in the south suburbs and western suburbs that were reassessed last year um, because they, you know, there have been some cases where the, the locally elected officials have said we need more money uh, and they raised the levy. So uh, there's plenty of disparities here. And, and I think certainly what Keiki was hoping to do was try to use more real data to try to make things as consistent as possible. But again, there's plenty of uh, pushback from commercial property owners about whether that's uh, what, what is fair and whether that's enough of a nuanced approach to take to these. And what are commercial property owners saying about what this disparity is meaning for them and their business and their livelihoods? Uh, well, the argument is that, that, you know, when you raise property taxes so dramatically so quickly, it scares off investors and it harms the local business climate. Because when you think about office buildings, for example, you know, the property tax costs are normally passed along to companies that, that set up and, and lease office space. So, you know, are you going to prevent companies from wanting to set up shop in Chicago? And it, it's hard to make that case, I think. I mean, it's certainly there's plenty of reasons to be in Chicago. So there are just landlords of different properties saying this is hurting us. This is going to to uh, to to prevent new development. And, and um, you know, the question is whether that's true. But it's certainly I mean, everyone always has a reason to grumble about property taxes, especially here in Illinois and Cook County, where they really are so so high compared to many other states and counties. 
Well, they say the only certain things in life are death and taxes, and I think grumbling about taxes can be added to that list as well. Danny Ecker, a reporter for Crane Chicago Business, always great to have you on the Noon Business Hour. Up next, why Home Depot is having an early celebration of Halloween. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Walmart and Home Depot have posted better-than-expected quarterly results, and joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Gerald Storch, who is the CEO of Storch Advisors, and formerly the vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us in Vero Beach, Florida. So, Jerry, what's happening at Walmart and Home Depot? Well, uh, generally, uh, results remain strong in the economy overall. Uh, consumers have a lot of money, and they're spending it. Walmart uh, blew by their numbers just for both sales and profits. Well, that was built in the stock, so the stock's basically flat today. Home Depot had very good results, too, but I don't know. I think people expect a miracle out of Home Depot or something. They were up in the 20s last year in terms of their sales growth, and this year they're only up 4 and 5%, so the stock's down today. I think people are saying, oh, maybe uh, everyone's going out and shopping on other things now and don't want to shop on home anymore, but I think they're all doing just fine. So what's ahead for these two big box chains? Well, I think they're going to continue to thrive. Uh, they consolidated market share during the pandemic, and they've come out in very strong position. I'd, on top of that, we'll see Lowe's and Target tomorrow. They're also doing very well. And of course, Costco has been very strong throughout the pandemic, before, during, and after. And Amazon's strong. So all these companies are capturing market share, doing very well, and they're going to continue to grow. Those are the big winners in retail right now. So are they taking business away from the smaller retailers? Is that why we're seeing a drop in retail sales, or are there other reasons for that? Or is well, it- when people say retail sales drop, I think you got to put that in perspective. This is seasonally adjusted by the Commerce Department, month-over-month sales. If you look at where we were in July of this year, like any common-sense person might, to July of last year, we we're actually at 15.8%. So we're recovering from the pandemic quite, quite nicely. In June, we were up 18.7. So they go, oh my gosh, we're up only 15.8% compared to 18.7. So that means we're down. You know, it's kind of how the math works. I don't really buy into that, to be honest with you. I think that is one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it is over a two-year stack. We say, where are we versus 2019 before the pandemic? And guess what? We're up pretty nicely, both in June and July. So there may be some slowdown coming if the Delta variant spreads. But it may also just channel sales back onto the Internet and into, uh, into those big winning retailers. Again, uh, Target and, and uh, Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's and Costco who did great during the pandemic. Jerry, anything else we should be looking at in terms of retail? No, you know, I think inflation's a big issue. Everyone wants to know how that's going to affect uh, affect the consumer. I think at this level of inflation, it's something people are able to swallow again because most people do have money and uh, and they're able to buy what they need. Uh, if it, if it starts becoming double digit inflation, we're going to have problems. As long as single digit, it actually helps fuel the retail economy and produces these great sales gains, which act as leverage on fixed expenses like a rent, for example, that the retailer pays. So it's okay at this level of inflation. If it starts getting crazy, then I think we may see some significant uh, impacts on the consumer. That's Gerald Storch, the CEO of Storch Advisors and formerly the vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us out of Vero Beach, Florida. Jerry, always great to have you on the Noon Business Hour. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And it's presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. U.S. military veterans react to the overthrow of the Afghan government. COVID booster shots could be in the future for vaccinated Americans. On Travel Tuesday, low-cost carrier Spirit Airlines suffers a meltdown while business travelers are slow to return to the skies. Credit card companies are touting special cards for college students. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 441 points, the S&P 500 down 51, the NASDAQ is down 193 points. AccuWeather says we'll see a mix of sun and clouds, except south of the city, where you could see a thunderstorm. At times, we're heading down to 83 for a high that's comparing to the highs we've had in recent days. We'll have an 80-degree temperature by the lakefront. Right now, it's 80 at O'Hare at 1231. Even though the Taliban is promising reforms as it takes over in Afghanistan, members of the U.S. military who serve there are feeling the pain of the people still living in the country, as we hear from CBS's Allison Keyes. Marine veteran Chris Cox served one tour of duty in Afghanistan and is now commander of a VFW post in New Orleans. He says the situation for people there is absolutely heartbreaking. Cox says he feels for the Afghan people and the Afghan soldiers he served with. To see the the pain and the fear and the the terror. Cox says he and the other U.S. soldiers who went to Afghanistan did the best job they could. But did it turn out for the best in the end? Probably not. Allison Keyes, CBS News. The White House is poised to recommend another shot for all people who have received two-dose COVID vaccines. CBS medical contributor Dr. David Agus. Booster shots, that is a third shot of Pfizer or Moderna or a second shot of Johnson & Johnson, can raise immunity five to tenfold which is needed for the variants, including Delta. The third booster shot is already recommended for people with immunity issues and certain other medical conditions. A reminder that if you want to hear the latest in terms of great music podcasts, all you need to do is download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's also a great place to listen to WBBM News Radio. It's 1232. News that makes you money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets in the red today, and we're joined by Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. So, Chuck, what's going on on Wall Street today? Well, today it feels like the market is trying to, to weigh the impact of, of uh, the variant. And we're, we got a data point, the retail sales were down in July, and you had uh, Home Depot, another important retailer, report results that were decent, but they were less than what was expected. So you're starting to have investors weigh 
how much or what can possibly be the impact, especially at the margins of the variant in terms of on the consumer here. And, and, and the market is, is not liking what it's seeing, at least today. What about the retail sales numbers, home builders sentiment, that sort of thing? How much should we read into those and how much do those uh, give us an indication of what's happening? Yeah, I think it's going to be dangerous to read too much into the next few months in terms of data points because it's going to get messy. You've got some of the stimulus coming off the books. You'll probably have more people coming back to work, I would say, over probably the next three or four months. So you're going to get what I think is going to be pretty uneven reporting here. Uh, so again, I, in terms of impacting your your medium and long term investment approaches, I don't think data points like today should have any impact on that. That's going to be more kind of trader driven in terms of what we're seeing today. So uh, again, I think the next the next few months are probably going to be a little messy from in terms of these economic data points as the market uh, and consumers kind of adjust to kind of a decline in stimulus. Uh, perhaps the Fed curtailing its bond purchases by the end of this year. Um, and so, again, I would keep your investment strategies in line, especially medium and long-term strategies. And Chuck, what else will the Dow theory tell us about what we should expect down the road with these numbers and what you're anticipating? Yeah, well, again, the Dow theory is still bullish. The primary trend, the trend that typically lasts anywhere from 18 months or longer, is still bullish under the Dow theory. Um, but but the, the market has been setting up for a while here, given kind of this this weakness in the Dow Jones transportation average that you could have some pullbacks. And it's been a while since we really had a, a meaningful secondary correction in the market, the correction of maybe 5 to 8%. So, you know, those can happen at any time. And, and we may get one of those here over the next three months. Again, as, you know, traders look at some of the data points that are probably going to come out and are willing to take some chips off the table. So, you know, primary longer-term trend, still very positive, I think, on the shorter-term trend. We could have uh, a setup for a bit of a, a correction, say 5 to 8%. Chuck, anything else that you're seeing that maybe we haven't been talking about much that people need to keep an eye out for? Well, not particularly. I, I think it's interesting that the pattern of the market in relation to the, the, what's going on in the, on interest rates, particularly the 10-year bond, where you've it, uh, you know, the, the 10-year bond rate is down today. Typically, lower interest rates uh, are positive for equities, but it's been, at least recently, it's been a little bit in reverse. It's been when we've had a little bit of a bump up in interest rates, the market seems to have taken its cue from that and, and moved higher. So th- this relationship between economic expectations, uh, inflation, and what's going on in the interest rate market, I think, are very interesting and, and somewhat confusing. Um, but uh, again, I, I I would keep an eye on that. If you start to see the 10-year bond rate starting to decrease and, and again, go down pretty sharply and the stock market is not responding to that, that's going to be pointing to the fact that perhaps economic activity is not going to be as robust as people think, and that'll translate to lower corporate profits here probably by the fourth quarter or the first quarter of next year. That's Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter out of Hammond. Thanks, Chuck, as always. Up next on Travel Tuesday, business travelers slow to return to their pre-pandemic ways. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's 1240 and Travel Tuesday, sponsored by DiscoverPeoria.com and Spirit Airlines, attempting to recover from an operational meltdown 
which cost the company around $50 million. Also, business travelers appear to be in no hurry to get back on planes. And joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Joe Brancatelli, the editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com out of New York. So let's talk first about Spirit and the continuing fallout from its problems and issues. Well, Jim, the problem with Spirit is they're not a very good airline. Um, they sell a low price that they then up an extra you with uh, add-ons. And the reason why they can sell this alleged low price is because they have very few flights to very many destinations. And one small problem, which is essentially what caused their meltdown uh, earlier in the month, can cause a system-wide collapse that takes weeks to get back to. So if you're looking to avoid these things, you're probably better off flying the traditional airlines out of Chicago, American, United, Southwest. They will melt down, too, from time to time, but at least they have more flights into and out of Chicago that can get you home or get you out in the worst-case scenario. So what's going on with business travelers in terms of apparently they're not in any great hurry, at least in larger numbers, to get back on airplanes? Well, the problem with business travel is the lack of people at their business offices. Uh, by and large, big corporations are now beginning to delay their re return to office scenarios, and that will mean people won't travel. You're not going to go to somebody's office if they're not there. The other problem is with the Delta variant coming back, um, a lot of meetings and conventions did not reschedule, and those that are are putting on extreme uh, measures. For example, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show based in Las Vegas, which is one of the biggest conventions in the world each year, uh, will be back next January for in-person, but they're telling you if you're not vaxxed, don't come. And all these things will slow down business travel. And have a lot of companies looked at how things have been done during the pandemic when there wasn't business travel and said, wait a minute, why were we doing so much business travel before? Or we really need to justify this expense going forward more so than we did in the past. Absolutely. And Jim, this is not even unique to the pandemic. Any disruption that we've had in the last 30 years, the first Gulf War, 9-11, the second Gulf War, the financial meltdown of 2008-2009, contracted business travel. One of the reasons why it did was that corporations were able to look at what they spent on travel, which is very expensive. It's not just the flights. You've got hotels. You've got um, meals you've got to supply, all kinds of things, and said, is there a technology that can replace it? And at each step along the way, I mean, we may say it sounds ridiculous now, but email was an invention of the mid-90s, and that helped lower business travel. PDFs meant that corporations didn't need to send people to Washington to file statements with the SEC or other government agencies. And the pandemic, of course, has brought a Zoom where you find out you can do just as well uh, with a with a video conference as you could for in con in person meeting on many circumstances. How much of a bounce back though do you expect based on those past experiences and our current alternatives to travel? How much of a bounce back eventually could there be in business travel? Well, it always takes a hit. You know, you lose five, six, seven percent. The the example I always give: let's say you're going to send people to the Consumer Electronics Show, and they're all vaccinated. But you look at travel and what your alternatives are, and you can say, well, maybe I don't need to send five people this year. 
I'll just send four. Well, that's a 20% reduction in the amount of business travel you've just done. And so I expect maybe by 20, late 2022, early 23, we'll be back to 80, 85% of where we were in 2019. That's Joe Brancatelli, the editor and publisher of JoeSetMe.com out of New York. Thanks, Joe, as always. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. Bill to come, picking a best credit card for college students. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Credit card companies are offering special features in their effort to attract college students. And we're joined by Ted Rossman, the industry analyst out of CreditCards.com in New York. So, Ted, is this some of the stuff we usually see in the fall? Or are there some new ways that the credit card companies are trying to get more college students to sign up? There's actually some new stuff happening here, and I do think that these are consumer-friendly changes. Capital One is the latest to do so. They just unveiled student versions of a couple of already popular cards. So they've got their Saver One card, which gives 3% cash back on dining, entertainment, streaming services, and grocery stores. They now have a Quicksilver student card, which gives 1.5% cash back on everything, These cards may sound familiar to listeners because these have existed previously for all adults. The difference now, though, is the student versions have the same rewards, albeit not the sign-up bonus, but the same ongoing spending rewards, but with lower credit standards. So it's really a way that Capital One is trying to grow with these individuals, realizing students may not have great credit, but hoping that they can establish that relationship. Ted, you're always great about this, and we're going to ask you the question we always ask you. What's the best way to approach signing these up, whether you're a student or you're the parent of a student? It's definitely really important to first consider whether or not you carry a balance. And that's important for everybody because credit card rates are high. The average is over 16%. But especially for students, I would argue at that stage of your life, it's not so much about rewards. It's really about establishing credit and avoiding fees and interest. So if you can pay in full and avoid interest, then yeah, go for rewards. You know, Figure out how you spend your money. What categories are the best fits? What do you want to get out of your rewards? Namely, cash back or travel. But especially when you're just starting out, don't go crazy chasing rewards. You know, look for some of those fundamentals like low fees and, and building a credit score. That's really important. That's actually a good reason to get a credit card early. You just have to use it responsibly. That's Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com out of New York. Thanks, Ted, as always. Great advice and some good tips. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.